Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the second episode of Truths Be Told. I'm your host, Lindsay Mullen. And uh, I'm so happy to be back. I'm back for a second episode. So many good news stories for this episode. Um, man, who knew making a podcast was so difficult? Uh, all, mucho respect to everybody I know in podcasting because uh, I am, I'm experiencing the learning curve. But it's fun. A lot of editing, a lot of sitting down and hearing my voice over and over again, you know, which can drive a person mental, you know, to hear your voice over and over again and realize all your little quirks and tics, things like uh, describing, <laughs> describing every single guest uh, by calling them charming. I mean, they are charming, but seriously, you could do a drinking game on the first episode. You'd be hammered if you took a shot. Every time I say the word charming. Uh, but I'm working on it, guys. Quality control. That's what it's about. And uh, for those that have never listened to the podcast, welcome. Welcome. This is our second episode, and uh, this is how the show works. We, it's a storytelling podcast, a comedy storytelling podcast. And every episode, we have a different theme. And all of our guests come in, and uh, they tell a true story from their life based on that theme. Last week's theme was behind the curtain of show business. And we had lots of great performers in telling all their great stories of uh, showbiz and what it's like to be a performer. This week, this week is a real fun topic. Uh, this week's topic is embarrassing cringe stories. Cringe. All your most cringy stories. Stories that, uh, you know, you know when you say something and, and you dwell on it forever later, like you're in bed and you can't sleep and you like shudder and you want to jump out of your own skin when you think of that thing you said. Oh, I mean, we all have them. I have so many from growing up. Like, I have so many that... Uh, you know, I was trying to think of one for the podcast to share with you, and you'll, I'll, I come across a few, and I'll go, I can't share that. I actually can't. I, it's too mortifying. I can't even go there. Ah, I've said comebacks where I was like, why did I say that? That that doesn't make sense. Just ugh. so um, this week I got on a bunch of guests who have just stuff that makes you grit your teeth while you're listening to it. So hopefully you can live vicariously through them and not have to experience the shame and embarrassment yourself. And you can just realize that this is just a part of the human condition, being embarrassed. Um, so I'll start. I'll start. I got to start with the honesty. If I'm going to expect other people to share, then I need to share first. A couple years ago, there was a party that I hosted in Toronto. I had just moved from Calgary. In Calgary, they have a thing called the Calgary Stampede. And uh, if you know anything about the Calgary Stampede, it's basically an excuse to have 12 days worth of um, free breakfast all over the city. They have what is called a stampede breakfast. It's like free waffles and pancakes and everyone lines up, gets sausages and they just chat and wear cowboy hats. It happens all over the city. Um, anyways, I had moved to Toronto and I was feeling homesick. So I threw a stampede breakfast party at my apartment. And I invited all these people that were originally from Calgary but now lived in Toronto. And everyone was there. 
And they also were encouraged to invite their friends. And, um, well, we're there, and it's packed. And uh, this woman walks in who I don't know. It's a friend of a friend of a friend. And she's clearly third trimester pregnant. Like, she's wearing, like, the flowy shirt, like, maternity clothes. And she's got the big belly. And, uh... (laughs) I mean, they tell you not to congratulate someone, you know? That's what they say. That's the rule. They say, even if you think you know, don't congratulate a woman on her pregnancy if you don't know. But you guys got to believe me. She wasn't even like, it wasn't even one of those situations where you're like, oh, this is a a, um, a, a larger figured person. You know, what's going on? No, it wasn't that. It was... Uh, it was like Hollywood pregnant, where everything else is slender, but the belly is big. Because you're like, this person's in their third trimester. So I say, congratulations on the baby that's coming. And everyone hears this, and she says, oh no, I, I'm, I'm not pregnant. And the whole room gasped like in horror and went silent mid pancake chew people just staring at me and she went it's okay it's okay i just um they're like cysts i have a i have I'm filled with cysts it looks you know a lot of people think i'm pregnant and it's fibroids like it's very large many pounds of cysts and i haven't had a surgery to it was just awful like i just Oh my God! I just stood there. Go- I'm so sorry. I I had no. Da- oh, it's okay. People make the mistake all the time, and it was just, it was so awful because she was being polite and sweet, but it was clear that it was not a nice thing to hear. It really wasn't. So I tried to let the moment pass. I'm mortified. I'm sweating. It was awful. And then, ten minutes later, my friend Christy shows up at the party late and says, hey, everybody. She sees the woman and says, congratulations on your pregnancy. Oh, my God, you're glowing. And the whole room would just heard the other moment. Everyone just, oh, like, the, it's just like the air got sucked out of the room. And again, she looked awkward and, and went, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not pregnant, just many cysts and... um fibroid and I should get a surgery but I have many pounds they, they are benign they are not uh, cancerous tumors like she goes on this speech and everyone is just oh my oh my god and from that moment on I just I didn't even care about the other guests I just ran to the entrance like where the cars were parking and every time a person walked in for the rest of the party I just hung out at the door and said if you see anybody who looks like they're having a baby they're not they're not just don't congratulate anybody on anything that's what I said to every guest who came in it was a nightmare it was an absolute nightmare and that's why you do not congratulate somebody before you know what's going on we Oh, man. Uh, I'm here in studio on uh, beautiful King Street East, and uh, I'm not alone. With me right now is my wonderful sound guy, Russ. Russ, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I'm very good. Uh, Russ, I'm just going to make an assessment, a character assessment. I don't know you very well, but you seem like a blusher. You seem like someone who is easily embarrassed. Is uh, it, am I right? My face gets red pretty easily. Yeah, you're also a smiler. You do yeah. the little smi- the little corners. Yeah. You're turning a little red right now. Um, I feel like when people give you compliments, you must blush like crazy. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, I, I have a lot of people telling me that they'll say like one thing, whether it's like a joke compliment or not. And then they'd be like, Oh, look at his face. It's getting all red. You're such a sweetheart. You're a sweetheart. Okay. So you know what I'm going to do just in the theme of embarrassment and cringe, I'm going to give you a real compliment. Okay. Okay. And I want you to look me in the eye. Are you looking? Okay, great. 
and I want I want to see what happens. Okay. Okay, Russ. Yes. I think if I had been in high school, I would have thought you were super cute. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Russ is Russ is Russ looked genuinely tickled by that. Yeah. Were you tickled? That's nice, yeah. Well, it's nice to feel pretty, isn't yeah. it? Oh, thanks, Russ. Um Okay. So before we jump in with our guests, I want to uh, read a quote, a quote that inspired today's theme uh, on embarrassment and cringe. Uh, This quote is by a man named Douglas Engelbart, who, according to Wikipedia, is an American engineer and inventor. I don't know this guy. Who is this guy? He made a real good quote. His quote is, The rate at which a person can mature is directly proportional to the embarrassment he can tolerate. Ooh, I like that. Who the hell is this guy? And I know, I know, there's probably people at home right now who are just like major Engelbart heads. All the Douglas (laughs) Engelbart fans are like, hello, he's like only the best American engineer and inventor. And... (laughs) Whatever. Great quote. And it's totally true. You will grow up and mature faster if you humiliate yourself. Now let's jump into some stories. Our very first guest is Scott Vroman. His uh, embarrassment cringe story is a classic social faux pas. What a perfect way to start us off. I'm here with the very funny Scott Vroman. Scott Vroman is a comedy writer and performer. He was in the sketch group Picnic Face as both a writer and performer. He's also a political satirist and um, a very good kisser. <laughs> he hates that I said that, but he's my boyfriend, so I can say that. How you doing, Scott? I'm good, Lindsay. How are you? <laughs> I'm fabulous. Uh, you have a wonderful, embarrassing story from when mm-hmm. you were younger. You you committed the greatest sin mm-hmm. uh, that you're, everyone knows. It's a huge social faux pas. What did you do? I guessed a woman's age. <laughs> okay, bring us back to that moment. How old were you? What was the scenario? I was 18. And I was starting at Dairy Queen. One had just opened in Napanee, where I lived. Okay. And so they brought these corporate trainers in from head office from, like, Minnesota to train us all. Mm-hmm. And, and they were, like, your superiors, kind of, in a way. Yeah. Um, and during some session, we were all just sitting around. We were waiting for something. I don't know for what. And we were just killing time. And for some reason... These two women, one of them said, hey, guys, guess how old we are. (laughs) And it was all just out of nowhere. You weren't talking. Yeah. And we were all like, I was probably one of the older ones. Uh, It was like 16, 17, 18 year olds. And you were how old you were? I was 18. You were 18. And uh, and so everyone kind of guessed and they were kind of low. Well, first we we guessed the one person mm-hmm. and we were all about right she ended up being 25 and we and were all, all guests around there right and then for the other woman everyone seemed to be kind of lowballing it and for some stupid just my stupid teenage brain was like i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna nail this right on like you're gonna be exact and everyone's gonna be like whoa how did you do that <laughs> i don't know what the logic was but I went for it, and I said, 38. She was also 25. No. <laughs> and I felt more guilty than I've ever, because I could just see it crush her. And oh, I felt no. sick with guilt immediately. Like you saw it on her face. Like, yeah. are you serious? And it was such a stupid thing for me to do, because there's no upside. There's, it's all downside risk. Any there, there's no what, what? What? Why did I do that? It was so stupid. Yeah, and there's so, nothing. What? What is the best case scenario? There is no best case scenario. And I still feel anxious when I tell the story because I know that <laughs> she touching your your hand is touching your collarbone, all stressed. Yeah, because like, I feel like she 
remembers that. I bet she remembers that. And that's what bothers me. I'm sure it was just this traumatizing. It was so uh, mean. And, and she didn't look the same as the other woman. And I'm not defending myself, but she, she looked okay. older. Okay. And, um, so she looked like she had lived a life. Yeah, she. But like, they both look fine. But oh man, the, I feel yourself digging a new hole. <laughs> uh, but I'm not like I'm not defending myself. But I I think everyone did get it a bit. In my like in my very bit of defense, they, I think everyone got it a bit wrong and guessed higher than the other woman. No one under under. But no one said no one said for twenty five. Scott. No, I was and, way, like. I was like 10 years older than everyone else. It was awful. There's no excuse. Okay. I'm very ashamed of that. <laughs> and it still makes me cringe okay. when, I, when I tell the story. Oh, that's okay. Well, yeah, that was pretty bad. I'm going to be honest. That's one of the rules. And I'm guessing you never participated in that game ever again. Yeah, Actually, I I've think never... I once asked you how old I look when we first met and... You dodge that bullet. Yeah, I immediately think of that incident. Anytime anyone has asked me their age, I just immediately think back to that and say no. And that's why we're still together. Oh, by the way, I should say, he has a very active Twitter. I know because I constantly see him on his phone. What's uh, what's your social media, Scott? I mostly creep, but it is me, Scott Vroman. Uh, we should say it's at me, Scott Vroman. <laughs> you sound a bit like V R O O M A N. Yes, at M E S C O T T V R. V is in Victor. R O O M is in Michael. A is in Apple. N is in Nancy. Okay, you know what you should be embarrassed about every single time I go to any place with him, or he's on the phone with someone who needs to know his last name. He goes. Um, Roman V as in Victor R. It's like you have all the same ones that you use. After a lifetime of having people spell it wrong, you you just give up. And you know what? I think you have new material for cringe. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. Our next cringe story is going to be told by Dan Gallia. He's a very funny guy, and if you like that story, you'll probably like uh, the shows he has coming up in the city. If you're in Toronto, you should check out his variety talk show, DG Special. It's at the Rec Room on the fourth Friday of every month. And if you want to follow him on Instagram, at DG Special. Here's his super cringy story. I'm here with Dan Gallia. I got it right. Yeah, I did. nailed he it. Uh, he's a very funny man. He's dipped his toe in every comedic pool. He's done stand up, sketch, improv, producing shows. If you're in the Toronto comedy community, you know him. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Now, Dan, Dan is. <laughs> I'm so excited for you to be on <laughs> to talk about something cringy and embarrassing because yeah. you have a doozy. Like, I, I was. Over the phone when you told me this story, my teeth were bared. I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> I was really uncomfortable when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me what happened. Well, like a year ago now, I, I got pneumonia. And uh, I've never been that sick in my life. Like, I, I didn't know what was going on. I just, like, knew that I was, like, feeling a little off at first. And I went to the doctor, and he said, you have pneumonia. And after that, it was just, like, the most nauseous I've ever been, ever. Like, I couldn't get out of... Like, I was lying on my couch, and I, like, couldn't get up to make soup. Like, took three tries to make a soup, you know? Wow. Like, I'd get the pot, feel dizzy, lie down, fill it with water, get dizzy, lie down, turn okay. on the stove. Like, <laughs> it was so many steps to make a soup. But I was, like, spending a lot of time on uh, on the internet because I was just, like, unable to get up. So I was just always online, and I was, like, really, like, intruding on people's lives on Facebook. I was, like, commenting on their profile pictures, being like, oh, it's been a while, it may be time for a change, you know? Like, <laughs> like who does that? And, uh, sick, was, people. <laughs> exactly. sick people. Sick people. Sick, very sick people do that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was on there, and I saw that my aunt from Seattle, had posted that it was my 15-year-old cousin Kelly's birthday. 
Okay. And we don't see each other that often. And uh, I don't know if you ever, if you've had anybody in your family where like, you know them pretty good, but like, you don't really know them. Like, I don't yeah. know much about them. You know what I mean? Thanksgiving. Right. There's basically. like one thing you know about them. It's like, you know, my grandmother used to love Frank Sinatra. So like, that's what we knew about her. So every Christmas, everybody just got her tons of Frank Sinatra stuff. You know, right. like, everyone's too lazy to find out anything else. About yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, my mom loves angels. So like, people just got her angels for years. Oh, and now there's like no. an angel room at my house where it's like oh. horrifying to wake up in because it's just filled with <laughs> angels. Um, but my cousin Kelly, uh, the only thing I knew about her is that she likes horses. And so like I knew that she liked horses because she like went horseback riding and like always posted about it. She drew horses and just like I knew that horses were kind of her thing. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to say happy birthday to my 15-year-old cousin Kelly. So I did that on the uh, Facebook. And then I was on like, On Messenger? Know, uh, just like on a on that post that my aunt made. Oh, I just okay. kind of commented on it. Okay. And then I was like, you know what? Like, she's 15 and I think she's really cool. And uh, like, we, we got along really well. So I was like, I'm going to add her on Instagram. She's old enough now that like, yeah. why not be her friend? You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And my Instagram's not crazy. You know, like there's the odd ketchup dick. But like, okay. I, sometimes I draw <laughs> well, dicks with ketchup uh at breakfast restaurants but that's the worst thing i have on my uh instagram <laughs> we'll come back to that we'll Go ahead. To that. Um, but uh so i added her on there and i was like I'll, I'll send a message so that you know i'll say hi happy birthday and stuff so i sent her a uh, i found this gif of a neon horse Oh, um, fun. On this... Because uh, uh, you have the keyboard gifts, you can send yeah. something. There's this account fun. actually called Street Art Globe on Instagram. Okay. It's all graffiti around the world. It's actually a really cool account. And that same day they had posted this neon horse gif. And I was like, oh, that might be cool. You know what I mean? Right. So I sent it to her. And then, uh, and then she wrote back a question mark. And then I wrote back, you know, like. And then nothing. No response forever. Right? And I was just like sick and all i could think about was why won't she respond to me what does she have better to do she's 15 like so, basically i send her this thing she sends back a question mark i send back you know like no message response for a week i'm all i can think about is why won't she respond for a week i'm like what the hell's going on so after a week of just like just being so confused as to what's happening i went back to check the message thread and i realized that the GIF, when you press play on it, what I didn't see was that it had a big neon pink horse dick that swung oh, between the horse's legs no. when you press play. And that's what I sent my 15-year-old cousin on her birthday. And like that's not even. And the you're worst her part. uncle, that's or no, no, you're your cousin, your older cousin. Your older cousin. Yeah, How old you, are you? I'm 37. No. Yeah, it's not good, no. right? And so like you'd think that was the worst no. part, but by far the worst part was the you know like. Oh my god! <laughs> like it's bad enough that you're sending this thing. I have to like push it and be like, "What? You don't like horse dicks from your 37 year old cousin on your birthday?" It's like, of course you don't. Of also, course I'm you pretty don't. sure the only times I've ever heard you know like was some creepy guy on the internet, <laughs> like in a chat know, room. I, like that's the classic. I do. Oh, you know like? I know. It's honestly, it's just. I don't know what I was thinking. I was so I sat there waiting for my aunt to call me and be like, uh, "Kelly hasn't left her room in a week. Uh, you have any idea what's going on?" Or I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, "I'm for sure gonna get in trouble for this somehow." You like you can't go back to Thanksgiving back. after that. No, I didn't. And thankfully, they live in Seattle. But uh, yeah, it was super super weird. And like I also was just kind of thinking like. My family's like pretty weird joke wise. So I was like, there's like a chance that like she could have taken yes, it the right way. Yes, but you know, on some level. But... And were you like going to bed at night, like cringing, thinking of it, feeling oh, yeah. like super stressed? I was feeling like you would if you did that on purpose. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was just yeah, like, because yeah. like no one knows what I was thinking, right? Like, and I, I still don't know what you like, In thinking. my head, I'm like, I was so sick that I did something really stupid, but no one knows how sick I am, especially in Seattle. And it's like, I don't know. It was just nuts. And I, uh, I like realized the horse dick. And then I like messaged her on uh, Instagram and was like, ha ha ha, didn't see the horse dick. Hope everything's okay. Oh. This is so embarrassing. I'm not firing on all cylinders. I'm super sick. I have pneumonia. I can't even get out of my bed. Oh and then like God. just so many like, you know, me just squirming. Uh, and then she didn't get back to me uh, for another week. Oh and God. I was just like, 
oh my god i've ruined her life like i was just i didn't know what was happening and i was just kind of like oh this isn't good at all so then i like made things even worse which i do when i get nervous and weird Sure, you had to double down i had to double down so i found her on facebook <laughs> and i sent her a facebook. message on facebook and i was like ha, 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 you should check your instagram account i didn't see the horse penis and then like again no, like now there's just so many messages from me talking about this horse dick and it's just like i realized that i'm digging myself deeper and deeper did she ever respond? into this grave yeah she did she did respond eventually and her response was ha 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 didn't see the horse dick either and then lmafao or whatever kids say and then she was like <laughs> didn't even know it was you because I have a different Instagram handle than my name. See, it's always worse in your mind. Although, <laughs> maybe she's just making you feel better. Maybe she's like, I'm going to let this guy feel better about the fact that I was... Well, the thing about it is, is she's extremely cool. Like... Out of all my cousins, like she's like the most effortlessly cool one. So it's like this is the maybe saddest she was... thing you've ever said. <laughs> <I> <laughs> it's just so sad. And it is kind of sad because like I felt like I had a special connection with her oh. before that. Like we really got along, you know. And uh, I think I, I told her I was like, "You realize like you've made my stand-up act now." You know what I mean? I was like, she was like, "Really?" And I was like, "Yeah." So like we did talk afterwards, but it was just like, "Well, we'll always have that Dan. that horse dick." We'll always have the horse stick. Dan, I'm going to be cringing about that the rest of my life. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Today's episode has an all-female panel. I'm joined by Jenna Warner and Veronica Slowikowska. Um... They're fantastic performers. And before we jump in, I just want to let you know what they have on the go. Jenna, if you want to follow her on social media, you can follow her at Jenna's page. That's at J-E-N-N-A-S-P-A-I-G-E. And uh, of course, um, Veronica, I'm so excited to have her on because her and I are doing a show together at the Edmonton Fringe Festival this summer. That's what she's got on the horizon. Um, the show is called Tease. So if you're interested in seeing a burlesque show featuring myself and Veronica, and you're in the Edmonton area this August, you're in luck. We'll be there. Taking off our clothes. All right. Let's hear what these ladies have to say in the cringiest panel discussion. I'm here with two very talented ladies, uh, Veronica Slowikowska and Jenna Warner. How are you two doing? So good. Yeah, Hi, wonderful. Lindsay. Wonderful. Okay, so these ladies, just so you know, they're actresses. They've done comedy. They're amazing, beautiful songbirds. They've done musical theater, which is like, I mean, that's, that's the top of the top. That's the top yes. of the top for me. Tell it to my bank account. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. But uh, oh, and also Jenna Warner is uh, becoming a publicist. Yeah. That's an important thing to mention as well. Uh, but you two are excellent singers. And I, I, I want to really point that out because I'm just an OK singer. Like, not great. I'll follow the other people that are making sounds and join their harmonies. But I bet you guys could do like normal harmonies and sound different. You know what you can do that we can't do? Karaoke. Because people get mad at you if you're good at karaoke. That's very oh, true. Right. I thought it was going to be an actual compliment. <laughs> you know what you can do? You can suck at karaoke. <laughs> you can have more fun than us on Fridays. Well, yeah. yeah. What, what's your karaoke songs, guys? Do you have one? Uh, mine is I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real ballad. And like I feel like you have to be able to sing to do it, and which is bad which is bad i guess but like you know what i'm drunk and i, I want to sing it so oh I'll that's a great one that's the anne hathaway is a dying prostitute one yes it, it really <laughs> it uh kills the mood at every bar but <laughs> that, that, oh wow it's, and it's what about good. you jenna well i mean see i'm not asking to get hated <laughs> kidding uh i sing kesha usually i sing tiktok okay and dance and jump. Well, mostly my dancing is jumping. I'm not a great dancer. <laughs> We're here having a panel discussion about cringe. I bring up the song thing because I actually find when someone forces to sing to you, not in a performance setting, but when they sit down with you. This is a thing I think is very embarrassing. That's why I'm bringing it up. Yes. When someone 
corners you to sing to you. Oh my is gosh. horrifying. Oh, yeah. Yes. Even I, if they're good. Yes. I dated a guy who could not sing and would try and serenade me and like hold me close and I'd just be like, how can I get out of your arms right now? Because it was no. so bad. No. That's no. no, no. I had, um, I was in Italy when I was 15 and it was like the first night we were there and I went with a friend and we met these like two twins that were Italian and they're like, God. Oh, it was it was it. a dream, and they're like, "Come to this beach," and then so they bring a guitar Scary. and s- just sing to us for like oh, forty wow. minutes, and like they were like very mediocre, like it was like not hot at all, and I was like, "Okay," <laughs> I like tried to sing, and they're like, "No, it's it's our time." I was, okay, you know, it's like how seems- some drugs make you want to like touch people. Yeah, I hear, and like. <laughs> And mm-hmm. and make you like have like physical sensations. It's like alcohol makes you just think that you're an incredible singer. And makes you want to like sing at people. Oh yeah, and dance. Like yeah. It's oh, just bad. it's so cringy. That stuff makes me uncomfortable. When someone, I think someone once trapped me backstage and sat me down on a couch and sang Rent songs to me. Why? And like held my hand. A, a, a woman did this once, and it was just I was trapped. I couldn't get out, and I just. Smiled and nodded. I just wanted it to end. And actually, I almost made it worse that she was good at it. Because I'm like, how can someone be good at singing and have zero awareness about how this is so awful for me? I mean, at that point, you don't need to be there, right? Like, they could just be by themselves doing that. Exactly. That's what I felt. I did feel like I wasn't there. I felt like she was singing to someone else um so i want to jump right into some questions and get your take on it ladies embarrassing stuff do you find that you both embarrass easily or does it take a lot to get you to blush okay i know if i'm in charge i don't embarrass easily like i'll overshare and like and speak up and talk to strangers and do all sorts of things like that and I can give and give and give and give and not, and feel totally fine. But if I'm blindsided, that's when I get embarrassed. Even if someone comes up and asks me for directions, like I can talk to strangers till the cows come home. But if someone walks up and is just like, "Do you know which way is north?" I'm like, mm-hmm. "Right, <laughs> yeah. I see that." Um, I get nervous like asking where the bathroom is, so I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm a pretty nervous person uh, naturally. But I don't. Yeah, that's why it's weird that I'm. Why a are you shy uh, asking where the bathroom is? I don't know. I just like just anything. Are you afraid they're gonna know what you do in, do there? in the bathroom? <laughs> they're gonna know you poop, <laughs> and I it ruins your not. girlish illusion. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I feel, I don't know. I'm I'm a very like nervous person and just like shy. I think in real life, and then on stage, which is so weird. I just like honestly go like fuck it. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. don't. I just, just go for don't it. care. And it's like it takes a lot for me to be embarrassed in front of a lot of people, which is like I don't know why. That's like so weird. But like one on one, I'm like I think it's fairly common. Actually, my embarrassing thing is really dumb. It's so dumb. What okay, is it? I'm really embarrassed about my sandwich that I like. Like when I go to Subway and they make you the sandwich and they say, "What would you like on it?" Well, I'm a really picky eater because I'm an only child. So I only, I get really embarrassed ordering my sandwich because the person always says when we get to the end, that's it. That's all you want. You can get more. That's it. Sometimes they it? laugh. You look so sad right now. Like I, I, it makes me upset. Sometimes when I walk in and say, wait, if the lineup's too big, I'll wait till everyone empties to order my sandwich because I don't want the other people to make a funny face at can my know sandwich. what the sandwich is? Wait, should we guess first? Is, okay. it, is it just cheese and lettuce? And mayonnaise. Mm. It's less than that. Oh it's my god! A, I think it's a six just inch, just six cheese. inch, like wheat or something, roast beef, cheese, and light mayo. That's it. <laughs> That's fine. That's it. It's just like the easiest sandwich, and they always laugh and make a thing about it. Everyone doesn't matter where I go. They just they just can't handle that it's such a simple sandwich. Just say I am not a glutton. Thank you. <laughs> I understand gratitude, and this is all I need. Yeah. I, also, I I'm a small woman. Yeah, I'm a small woman. More mayonnaise, please. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it I, It actually mortifies me. I hate it. I hate ordering the sandwich. Well, don't be embarrassed. That's not, like, that's not an embarrassing sandwich. Seriously. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> Big share. Um, so, Jenna, you had some, uh, you had a really funny one with a, an ex coming to an event. I yeah. want to hear that cringy moment. Yeah. It was good. It, it's cringy for both of us for different reasons. Um, so, I was asked to sing at a benefit. 
And it's like this fancy benefit. I think it was on the 52nd floor of a building in downtown Toronto. And I remember there were like Emily cars lining the walls. Like it's this very fancy thing. And um, I had told him to dress formal. I was like, you need to wear your white dress shirt and your black dress pants and like your suit jacket this is formal event and he was pretty certain I was wrong and I was like no it is like I know it's formal it says formal this is what I'm wearing like this is what you need to wear and it's all these very wealthy people so this is what you have to wear and he he didn't believe me but he he listened to me because I was his girlfriend and he should not have because he rolled in late and charged right up to me and this is a person that never got mad at me for anything and his head was down and his hands were fisted and he was just like Jenna I'm so mad at you right now I'm so embarrassed I'm never listening to you again and I'm like what's the problem and I realized because I was distracted with like having to sing and everything it was not formal it was like rich people dress kind of business casual yeah so like my friend's boyfriend's in like a nice tweed suit women are in like cocktail dresses and the men are not dressed like my ex was except for all of the serving staff (laughs) who were also coincidentally filipino as was he so he was just dressed like all of the staff, and he was so it looked like humiliated. a bow tie or like what are we talking? He didn't have like a bow tie here? on, but he had just like a white dress shirt. Like he oh. looked like he looks like when you go to you and your banquet servers. Like he looked like he was dressed like all the banquet servers. Oh my god! And then because he had a sense of humor, even though he was mad, and he was also sort of punishing me because it was totally my fault. And I have never since told anyone how to dress for anything ever. Um, But we were sitting at our table and he said he was going to take off his jacket and roll up his sleeves and just start working. (laughs) And he didn't do that, but he did take a bathroom break. And on the way, he stopped at every table and asked them if they were enjoying their meal. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's very good. What's that saying that you're never like overdressed, I guess? You know what I mean? Yeah, except for that one. Like, except for, except that for one. in that <laughs> scenario. But like, still looked good, probably. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Veronica, I have to ask, because yeah. we're all women in the panel today. Yes. Uh, it's like a slumber party up in here. It's fun. Yeah, and we're um, also in pajamas. Yeah. Oh, right. So For the people just listening and not watching, we're in pajamas. <laughs> uh, Veronica, do you have uh, <laughs> any, like... Do you guys find with periods, like, you guys have big, embarrassing Mm -hmm. stuff? Stuff. Like, I mean, all my, I'll just throw in something first. Mm -hmm. Everything of mine is like a hunting accident, all my laundry. Oh, yeah, I have no nice sheets. (laughs) Yeah, right? No one has nice sheets. No, 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 and my underwear is, like, so, yeah. Anything embarrassing you've ever gone through? Ooh. I don't know. Mm. I remember being on the school bus one time. And I went to Catholic school, and so we wore kilts. And uh, yeah, it was like the end of the day, I think. And I just, I remember I never wanted to, ew, gross, like change my tampon or pad because I yeah, was that's like, that's pretty cringe. You know what I mean? Like, you just <laughs> never, I don't know, I didn't want to go to the bathroom. Like, it, yeah. And then I remember sitting on the bus, and I oh, think I, no. I think I left a little something. It yeah, wasn't little- too bad. It wasn't like, anything crazy but I'm just like running home and like my my kilt was just like ruined oh my goodness and you just left a little bit of your womanhood on the bus seat and it's wool like how do you launder those when they're covered in blood it was it wasn't good it was like a Tarantino film (laughs) (laughs) oh god I I feel like just every woman has some nightmare story from their period at some point Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're both so wonderful. Uh, I'm going to plug your gigs and your social medias after after you leave. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having sure. us. Sure, thank you for having us. Bye. I'm very lucky to have Chris Sandiford on the show. Uh, before we get to his very funny story... I just want to let you know that he has a show coming up. So if you're in the Toronto area, you should go see it. It's at Comedy Bar. It's an ongoing thing. It's every third Wednesday of the month. And the show is called Feature Presentation Comedy Show. You can also follow him on the internet using Twitter or Instagram. His uh, handle is at OChris. 
which is O-H-C-H-R-I-S. So give him a follow. Here's his story. I'm here with Chris Sandiford. How you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Hello. Yeah, uh, you're a very funny stand-up. Stop. Do you do other? Yeah, Keep it coming. That, no, you're so good. Uh, he's a very funny stand-up. Very charming on stage. Uh, um, are you a sketch guy and improv guy as well? I mean, I'm a sketch guy a lot, and I used to be an improv guy like many, 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 many years ago, so back you, in high school, but not really so much anymore. I like to joke that. Me and my sketch partner, we do improv with a lowercase i. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't. But you know what? I think it's great it's that you can do so I. many things. So talented. Well, oh, stop. Uh, so I brought you in because you got a, a doozy of an <laughs> embarrassing story. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah. it's the kind that really makes you get upset because it's in front of someone you like. Yeah. Oh, my God. And again, when I think about just the words... You know, when I when I take all the context out, you know, I wet a lover's bed. That's very embarrassing. It's very oh, embarrassing no. when you say that. That's like it makes me cringe even right now. I peed the bed. I peed someone's bed that I was Someone sleeping you with. Cared about. Someone I cared about, and we were dating. And um, but there's a lot more that happened to kind of explain away, or at least I think it explains away why it happened. Jump in. Jump in. Okay, so I was dating this girl in Montreal, um, and we. We were we were fun. We were like partners in crime. We would like cr- climb roofs and like ride bikes and you know oh, stay whimsical. Up all night. Whimsical is very fun. And um, on one such night, I had this thing where it's like I didn't feel tough, but I would always like pretend. If we got if I got drunk enough, I would like goad myself into trying to fight someone, even though I wouldn't fight them. Like I really? totally wouldn't fight them. Like just you know stupid stuff like. People get angry at the stupidest things. Like people get angry when they're you're like when you talk about their mother. <laughs> I was like, I've never met when I. But then I'd like talk it down and be like, I've never met your mother. How could I be offending you, sir? So you were picking you fights with people, but like fake fights. Like obviously, I'm just a nerd. I, ordinarily, I wear glasses. I know you're to the listener. You can't see I'm wearing glasses, and if you could see the feed. I'm not wearing them now. Because yeah, this like is not the guy you think's going to start some shit with you. At the no, bar. not at all. But then I like talk it down. And I'm like, sir, this is crazy. This is just performance art <laughs> to show you that I don't know your mother. I don't know your family. I don't care about you. And I love you. <laughs> and Great. just don't. Anyway, on one such night, we went to a party. And we got folklorically dr- drunk. And <laughs> just like picking up drinks like kids. Like I wasn't. How old was I? I was 26, maybe 27. That's just too old to be. Yeah. Oh, turn off our phones, please. That's, That's me. all right. No worries. He's very popular. He has uh, a lot of texts. <laughs> and um, this is like, we may as well have been teenagers, but we weren't. We were deep in our 20s. And this was not acceptable. Just taking drinks from places that we shouldn't have been taking them and just having a good time. It was a big house party um, in Montreal in the East End. And we rode our bikes. And again, we got folklorically drunk. Um, I tried to pick a fight with somebody at McDonald's. I tried to eat a ham, like I tried to show off by eating a hamburger with the wrapping still on. This is how drunk I was. I feel like you don't know what showing off is. I know, well, because I'm a, cla- I'm a, I'm an idiot. What women want? <laughs> I'm exactly. What women? This is like a really bad. <laughs> you know, what women that's want? Charming. Well, she was pulling the strings. I like to think. I like to think that Beatrice was pulling the strings, but she really, she really wasn't. At any rate, um, we went to bed. Um, and I remember, I remember having a dream and this probably echoes the sense, this probably, I feel like people have to have had this too, where I had a dream that I had the most satisfying pee. Can we, I can't say piss, can I? Oh, oh are they, <laughs> can I say pee on your podcast? <laughs> you know, yeah, you can say whatever you want. I had the most satisfying piss in this dream. I was at this great, ur- this great urinal. I remember the urinal was just on its own and just black everywhere. And I remember And there's no guy talking to you on either side. And I had a very satisfying pee in the dream. Obviously, I peed in real life. (laughs) And when I awoke, uh, Beatrice wasn't in bed anymore. She was Skyping with her friend who I think was traveling. And I had slept in. And she she would later remark, you look so peaceful. Like, we all, we talk about, I jokingly blame her. He's like, you should have woken me up. And look, I'm so, look, Obviously, I'm not. I don't blame her at all. The tenor, the tone of our of our relationship was just very goofy and very jokey. And it's like, hey, you should have woken me up. And she always would come back with, oh, you were so peaceful. You, oh, you could have slept forever. It would have been fine. I'd kiss your little head every 14 hours. <laughs> and it's like that was no. I shouldn't have shouldn't have been sleeping so long. But anyway, I woke up and there was pee in the bed, and I had to announce it to her. So I covered it up, and she came back in the room, and I was like, we well, didn't try and hide it. No, 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 no. What? Oh, there was no way. 
This is oh her house. This is not my. It's like, oh look, B. Uh, I got to just come out and say it. Uh, and I revealed <laughs> the. I just I whipped up, whipped off the covers, and there's a big circle of wet. And she went, oh my god! And okay, so. Another thing you need to know about us is she was always trying to get us to take baths together. I love I, doing that. I, only, I did that. I've done that to every boyfriend I ever. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. Are you a so you're a bath? Person. Oh, love it. Do you know people who aren't bath people? Like I'm not men. A men. Oh, oh, <laughs> every boyfriend oh, oh. I ever had I was hate, like, "Can we do shower? It's efficient." I hate baths. But no, let's sit. I'm like, it. yeah, I'm a little. Um, what's the word? Uh, I've got maybe a mini phobia of baths. It's like a bathroom thing where I don't like to be low in the bathroom. Does that make sense? Where I don't like to be able to stare up under the areas that I don't clean under. You know what I mean? Does it make sense? <laughs> like if a bath was high up, I'd have a much better time with it. A if loft I, bath? A you'd loft be fine. bath. Exactly. Okay. And I want to pitch that to, anyone, to anyone, anyone listening. Anyone listening, any architects, yeah. any designers. Um, but I don't like bath. Like th- that's one reason. But then another reason is we're just sitting in the same water and it freaks me out kind of. Right. Don't get me wrong. I love a jacuzzi. I love a hot tub. Somehow a bath in just a regular apartment really kind of turns me off. At any rate, She'd always for the I think at this point we were dating for like seven months. She's like she always wanted me to have a bath with her, and I always said no, 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 you know what, making some excuse. And then she really high roaded me. Uh, well, Chrissy, no, I mean you, you just, you just wet my bed. I mean I think, <laughs> I think you have to do what I say now. And boy, let me tell you, she lit some candles. Oh, she put wow. like a bath bomb in there. This is actually such a sweet reaction to it, someone pissing in your bed. Can I say it deepened our relationship? We're friends to this day. She lives in Vancouver. Um, I visit her still. We talk still. And I, I, I mean, this is me talking. I can't speak for Beatrice, although I'm going to. I think that we'd be together still if she didn't live on the other side of the country. Oh my um, god! I moved here and she was there, and she wanted to be a piano teacher in British Columbia, where she grew up. Oh. And I didn't want to live in British Columbia, not yet, anyway. This turned from an embarrassing story to a heartbreak story. <laughs> That's so sad. But it, There's a person out there that you know you're supposed to be with, and I'm you're not, not supposed with to be them. Be with, and I'm not with them because I'm. You know, we're both. Uh, you know, we're both. Chris, how old are you now? I just turned. I'll be 31 in a so, few months. Oh, so you're 26, then you're 31. Yeah. Oh, Chris. Chris, you're saying I'm making a mistake. I should Chris, go. I should go pee with. Be with her. Oh God. Oh my God. Was that <laughs> intentional? Oh, he's a comedian. You planned. That. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, Chris, thanks for being on the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, and can I just say that um, this if you have a chance to pee in a lover's bed, that's, yeah, you belong with that person if they take you back and if they don't mind it and if they... Oh, and by the way, we gave away the mattress after. A guy, um, a guy really wanted it on Kijiji and we didn't tell him anything. We cleaned it up and he took the mattress and we laughed and laughed about it. See, she pulls the strings. She's the mastermind. Oh my god! Okay, well, we'll have you back when we have a, a reunion episode, oh, yeah? and we'll bring Beatrice in. <laughs> I'll invite her down. She knows that I tell this story, and in fact, she loves it. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Our last guest on the show is not actually in studio. We're going to play a recording of his one-man show that he's taken all across Canada. It's like a five-star show. It's been to all the fringe festivals. He's done it for many years. It's called The Untitled Sam Mullins Project, and it's written and performed by, you guessed it, Sam Mullins. Uh, He's fantastic. He's so funny. And this story, uh, ooh, it's too cringy. You know, it makes me so uncomfortable. But you really do empathize with him. And uh, I love, I love, 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 love this story. Actually, this story is what inspired the episode for me. That's what made me think of it. Um, So, enjoy. Embarrassing things always happen to me. I was in my final semester of my final year in the acting program at the University of Victoria and I was nervously pacing back and forth in a hallway about to go into my audition for the worst play of all time. Um, I don't know if you guys remember hearing about that Julie Taymor production of Spider-Man the musical that was universally panned and lost millions of dollars. Well, this play would make that look like 
the importance of being earnest, which is delightful if you've never seen it. Um, this play that I was auditioning for had been written 15 years earlier by a Quebec City novelist, and upon reading it for the first time, I quickly understood why it had never seen the light of day, had never been produced, had never even been workshopped. It was bad in an obvious kind of way. The play was called Lionel. And Lionel was a story of a little person named Lionel who was an incredible singer. It takes place in 1920s America, so Lionel starts busking with his African-American friend Sunshine, who accompanies his singing by playing the violin, until one day an evil carny comes to town and he sees them perform, and he thinks, little person, big voice, I can exploit that. So they run away, they join the circus, the crowds come, and little Lionel becomes a superstar. And as his fame gets bigger and bigger, Lionel literally gets bigger and bigger. He grows into a regular sized man and then he keeps growing until he's a giant. And everyone thinks that it's a miracle. But then Lionel's diagnosed with a rare form of gigantism, which is fatal. So his health and his ego take a turn for the worse. Sunshine the Black Fiddler turns into an alcoholic. Everyone loses their fortune and dies, and then the play ends. <laughs> what an insightful comment on the nature of celebrity. Or something, I think. So, the master's director at our school, he finds this play in an archive somewhere, and he reads it, and he thinks to himself, Wow, what a great challenge for me, the master's director, to have to solve the problem of making an actor literally grow on stage. And I have at my disposal an army of student actors and designers and a sizable budget to make this magic happen. I like my chances. So, at this point in time, I'm a fourth year actor, which means that I am obligated to be in this play. So, when I read it for the first time, I'm looking for a role that I can see myself playing, and I find one. Jake, the bodyguard. You know, he, he wears suits, and he's a bit of a bigot, and he's always catcalling women, and he says things like, hey, knock that shit off! And I think to myself, I can play Jake, because I'm always, always, always cast as one of the good guys, and I thought it might be a good challenge for me to sort of go against my type. Remember that. So, I go into the audition, I tell the director I want to play Jake, the bodyguard, I read some sides from the script, and the director tells me on the spot that I have the role, and I'm, I'm ecstatic. That never happens, mostly because I'm a bad actor. So, a couple weeks later, the playwright flies in from Quebec City and for a table read with the full cast, and, and when this guy walks into the room for the first time, he seems really nervous and confused and on edge, and I think it's because he was certain that he had destroyed every copy of this train wreck 15 years earlier. So the table read goes horribly uh, because the script is bad. And we're all mortified that we have to be in the show. And I, I think to myself, was, was I cast in this or was I trapped in this? And I'm really upset about it. But then I think, oh well, you know what? I'm Jake the Bodyguard. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna have some fun backstage, I'm gonna get a few laughs on stage, this is gonna be totally fine. Then one night, my phone rings at midnight, and it's the director. Hey Sam, I'm so sorry to call you so late at night. No, no, don't, don't worry about it. Is, uh, is everything okay? To be honest with you, Sam, things aren't going very well at all. I need to discuss something with you. Sure, sure, man, I'm, I'm all ears. Well, Sam, it became apparent to me at that table read that uh, we're going to have to make some changes. That table read didn't work at all. Oh, really? I thought the table read went fine. It became apparent to me that the actor playing Sunshine, the African-American fiddler, might not be able to handle the role. Sidebar. <laughs> the character of Sunshine, the violin player, is a black man. The problem facing this production of Lionel is that there are no black men 
in the city of Victoria <laughs> to play him. Because Victoria is a world that makes a Norman Rockwell painting look like it's a New York City subway car. And it was a problem that they knew going in. There's just, there's just no black actors in town. And in pre-production, they talked about the possibility of flying in a professional actor to play the role, but then they deemed that to be too expensive. So they did what they decided was the next best thing. They, they gave the role to my friend Scott. But Scott is not of African descent, though. Scott is of Bangladeshi descent, <laughs> which is equal parts not black and not white. <laughs> but I, I guess that it was the best that they could do. And, and while Scott would grow as a performer and become a fabulous actor, um, at this point in time, he was just in his first year of training and perhaps didn't yet possess the chops required to play this major role in this shitty script. <laughs> Sam, I'm calling because I want you to play Sunshine. What? I think you're actor enough that you can handle the role. You should, you should say something. Sunshine is black. Yes, he is. I'm not black. But you are a great actor. You're a versatile actor. Sidebar. A versatile actor. I could see why he thought that I was a versatile actor, because the last three roles I played on the main stage at school are as follows. Um, I played an upper-class Texan lawyer in Moliere's Tartuffe. These folks I honor. These folks I advocate. It's models for us all to emulate. I played an elderly, blind, Polish-Jewish basket weaver in a play called Crackpot. <laughs> oh, Coppola, I love you so much. Lachaim. And I played a lower-class Cockney talking horse in Wind in the Willows. No, no, don't, don't touch me. I, I don't like being stroked. But this vast array of roles, however, is more to do with the fact that directors just never really knew where to put me, and less to do with me being a young Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. It'd be a great challenge for you, Sam. What do you say? I can't play Sunshine. I think you can. How? Oh, you know, with, with, with a little dialect work and some costume, makeup. Wait, 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 wait. Makeup? Like, like makeup? Yes, Sam, makeup. Okay, but, but when you say makeup, I'm concerned <laughs> that you mean makeup. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, what? You're worried that we're going to put you in blackface. Oh, goodness. No, 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 no. What we are aiming for is to sort of tip our hats to blackface. <laughs> but, but there will be black on my face. Yes, your face will be entirely black. I'm not putting on blackface. Sam, I'm sensing a lot of skepticism from you. What is it that you're so afraid of? Of being racist. <laughs> okay, Sam, I'm gonna level with you, okay? I need you to play this role. You, you, you are the only actor with the integrity that I need to pull this off, okay? You would be doing me a favor. This, this show needs you, okay? Let me know tomorrow. Yeah, well, I'll just be telling you no tomorrow. Until tomorrow. <laughs> Good night. So, the next morning, I wake up and I think to myself, no, there's no way that I'm doing this. So, then I proceeded to do what I'd done every Sunday morning over the course of my university days. Uh, I turned on Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. And the guest that week was Forrest Whitaker, of all people. And in the interview, he told the story of how once during his university training, he was confronted with this role that was a huge challenge and far outside himself. And he was reluctant to take it, but then he decided that this is his training, you know? This is where he's free to fall on his face. So he took the role, he put in the work, he earned much acclaim, he grew as an actor, and now he has a goddamn Oscar. But, of course, now see, in retrospect, how ironic it is that Forrest Whitaker is the one that maybe changed my mind about taking this role, because 
if he saw our production of Lionel, no one in the world would have been more outraged than Forrest Whitaker. So, I take the role, and over the course of the next six weeks, I really put in the work. You know, I, I mine the script, I do my research, I built a character. And I even had a, a dialect coach come in to help me with my southern 1920s African-American dialect. And it, it came out sounding a little something like uh, Eddie Murphy as Donkey in the Shrek movies. <laughs> and in the morning, I'm making waffles. But the worst was when, in the final week of rehearsal, the, the costume designer comes in and she puts me in a large purple bow tie and colors in my entire face black. Like, if the LA Clippers former owner Donald Sterling saw the show, <laughs> He would have been like, that's pretty racist, you guys. You should probably shut this down immediately. But, you know, whenever I had my doubts, all the adults whose approval I was seeking, like the, the head of the department and all my acting professors, they'd sit in on rehearsal and then they'd take me aside quietly, reassure me I was doing a great job, I had nothing to worry about. And then, before we knew it, it was opening night, and there were over 200 people there, many, many of whom were there to review the show. And I'll always remember, I was, I was sitting in my dressing room that I, of course, ended up sharing with the guy who would play Jake the Bodyguard. And I just remember quietly <laughs> seething with resentment as I was applying my black face, and I look over at him adjusting his awesome fedora. The stage manager comes in and calls us to places, and I'll always remember, I was, I was on my way to my spot for the top of the show, and in the hallway, I caught sight of myself in a full-length mirror, and I vividly recall saying out loud, I'm going to be on the news for this. <laughs> and out we went. And we did the best that we could do with what we had. And it went badly because it was a bad show a couple days later the reviews came out and they went a little something like this worst play ever why would anyone do this play unbearably awful poorly directed i felt bad for the cast oh yeah and there was a guy in blackface who acted poorly <clears throat> and we still had three weeks of run left to do. Yipey, dipey. Oh. oh, man, that was Sam Mullins. And that was a little clip from the untitled Sam Mullins Project. That story always makes me uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, the things, the things we do for our art that we really shouldn't. Whew. If there's uh, any young actors out there listening to this podcast and they're just starting out in show business, here's a hot tip. If a director asks you to do blackface, say no. That, uh, it's better to, to stay at your serving job. Um, so yes, that was Sam Mullins. He's fantastic. Usually he tours the Canadian Fringe Festival circuit every summer. Um, he's a total fringe darling. He's always getting five stars and he's totally worth it. Uh, but unfortunately, if you haven't seen him perform live, you won't be able to this summer because he and his wife are having a baby. So congrats, Sam. And, uh, I'm... I'm very happy for you and sending you guys a bunch of love. Yeah, that was our cringe episode. That's the end right there. Those stories made me very uncomfortable, and uh, but I felt safe. Safe, you know? Uncomfortable, but safe, because I didn't have to live through the shame of it. I want to thank Veronica Slowikoska, Jenna Warner, Dan Gallia, Chris Sandiford, Sam Mullins, and of course, my love, Scott Roman. 
He's cringing just hearing me say that. I can feel it. Uh, also, I want to thank Matthew Reed. He did all the music for the show. And Catherine Fogler. Catherine Fogler, I should have thanked her the first episode. She was the photographer that did my um, podcast artwork. She's fantastic. So if you're in Toronto and you need a photographer, the girl knows how to take a picture. Catherine Fogler Photography. Look her up. Oh, and uh, Kurt Furla. He was the graphic designer who took Catherine's work and, you know, bumped it up another level. Thank you also to Eggplant Picture and Sound. They're the ones that made my podcast dreams come true. Um, they're the one that set me up here at the Pacific Junction Hotel on King Street East to record. Come by the Pacific Junction Hotel. It's great. Grab a drink. It's a fun atmosphere. Also, thank you to my sound guy, Russ. He's so patient. He's so wonderful. He blushes so easily. It's perfect. My Instagram is at Mullo. That's spelled L-I-N-D-S-O-M-U-L-L-O. So yes, that has been the second episode of Truths Be Told. Remember, we can only have more episodes if there are people listening. So if you like this podcast, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is everything. Let them know. Send them the link. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. It would mean a lot to me. All right, guys. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 